1: Go episode six hundred thirty-nine of the Algaldi podcast. It is Tuesday, August twenty-second, two thousand twenty-three. The streak is over, <laughs> and it was ended by the Commanders, our football team. It is a streak ender. The Commanders, they are streak killers. Uh, Monday night football at FedEx Field. The Commanders defeated the Baltimore Ravens 29-28 to end the Ravens' NFL record 24-game preseason winning streak. At last, this dopey preseason winning streak is over. A ridiculously long and mostly meaningless streak now is over, and it was our team that did the deed. The Commanders now 2-0, In their three-game 2023 preseason. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You know, Maryland Governor Wes Moore was the commander's honorary captain on Monday night, even though... Uh, He is a Ravens fan. Uh, Westmore, a Ravens fan, but he wants the Commanders' next stadium to be in Maryland. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, Governor Moore did not go home happy, but whatever. Uh, This actually was an exciting preseason game, at least as much as a preseason game can be exciting. But beyond the final score, uh, there was a good bit from this game that mattered to us as Commanders fans. Uh, Coming up next segment, I will address the uh, two concerning injury items that we know of from this game. Receiver Terry McLaurin, an injury to his right big toe, and receiver Deami Brown, a possible concussion. We don't know much, but I'll tell you what we do know. Uh, And then I will go in-depth on a very good performance by quarterback Sam Howell. The Ravens on Monday night did not play so many of their key players. Let's make that clear. But Sam on Monday night was very good. Let's also make that clear. The commander's new official QB1 played like a QB1. There was a lot to like. Uh, I'll also talk about the commander's other two quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett and Jake Fromm. Uh, And then after that, a lot more on the Commanders from this game, including the performance of the defense, which did not have a number of key players. The Commanders did not play the majority of their defensive starters, uh, but some notable moments for the Commanders, the top two picks in the 2023 NFL Draft, Quarter Emmanuel Forbes and defensive back Quan Martin. Uh, I'll also discuss the work of the Commanders' offensive line and a guy who, like Sam Howell, had a very good night on Monday Night kicker Joey Sly. Isn't it interesting that the two Commanders players who just won competitions, uh, Sam Howell and Joey Sly, very good nights on Monday night. Uh, I also, throughout these segments, have key comments from the uh, post-game press conferences of head coach Rod Rivera and Sam Howell late night on Monday night. Also on the show, I do have nationals and orioles segments for you, even though neither the nats nor the o's played on Monday night. We on Monday afternoon had big nats news: multiple reports that the nats and manager Davey Martinez have agreed on a two-year contract extension that includes a third-year option, and that the nats and president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo were close to finalizing a contract extension of similar length, and. We, on Monday, had a piece from MLB insider Tyler Kepner of the New York Times on Orioles chairman and CEO, John Angelos, who, in the piece, had multiple doozies, okay? Uh <laughs> a doozy on the fiasco involving the Orioles' play-by-play announcer on Mass and Kevin Brown, and a doozy in the form of Angelos already planting the seeds for the O's not to keep They're young stars in the long run. Uh, There is quite a bit to get to with the Nats and the O's. Uh, Get to it all, I shall, later in the show. Before we get to some feedback, I do want to tell you about something special that's going on. Uh, The company that I partner with in doing this podcast is a company called Blue Wire. Uh, Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they work together. Uh, Blue Wire was founded by a guy named Kevin Jones, who actually is from Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Kevin uh, went to Chantilly High School in Chantilly, Virginia. Uh, Chantilly, Virginia, also known as The Till. (laughs) Uh, But Blue Wire is great. It's a forward-thinking sports media company that is ahead of the curve. Uh, Blue Wire is one of the fastest-growing companies in sports media. And Blue Wire, of having raised over $10 million to grow and operate its business, now is raising another round on WeFunder. uh, This to expand... The company's sales team, and to improve the company's operations. A uh, WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be part of a growing startup. And know this: giving money to Blue Wire via WeFunder is an investment, uh, not a donation. This is your chance to get in on the action. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, uh, go to wefunder.com slash wire. That's wefunder.com slash wire. And supporting Blue Wire is another way to support me and this podcast. So thank you. And let me know what you think. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Mike Stritt in Texas, Off the recent news about arguably the greatest offensive lineman in Redskins history, the great Joe Jacoby, Uh, we on July 27th learned that the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Seniors Committee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024 had trimmed a list of 31 semifinalists to a list of 12 players, including Joe Jacoby, who, of course, should have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago. Uh, These 12 seniors candidates are vying for three potential spots in the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024. The vote for seniors candidates for the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, was to take place this week. Uh, Writes Mike, Hey Al, with the recent news on Joe Jacoby getting consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2024, I started to wonder who we should back after that injustice is remedied. As I am roughly the same age as you, I cannot think of anybody In recent memory, deserving the honor, minus one person... Tress way. (laughs) I know that he is not eligible, but I thought that it was worth an email to ensure that we stay committed after he retires. He's coming up on his 10th year with the team and holds an average of 47 yards per punt, significantly higher than Ray Guy's career average of 42.4. And Guy is the only punter in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Would love to hear your thoughts on Tress or any other players we should back for the 2025 class and beyond. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Yes, Commander's punter Tressway. Know this, he is number five among all qualified punters in NFL history in regular season yards per punt at 46.98. Number five in NFL history. Uh, Tressway has had An excellent career. The problem is that so few special team specialists make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You have to be among the like immortals in terms of special team specialists to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but it may well be that Tressway proves to be an immortal. Uh, again, number five among all qualified punters in NFL history in regular season yards per punt at 46.98. Uh, the 2023 season will be Tress's 10th NFL season. He has been Washington's punter for all but one game over the last nine regular seasons, 2014 through 2022. Washington's 2016 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field on January 2nd, 2021. Tress Way did not play in that game Uh, Due to being on the reserve... COVID-19 list. Remember that thing. <laughs> uh, so when we put together a list of the devastation caused by COVID, Tress Way finally missing a regular season game for Washington is on that list. Uh, but he has been awesome for Washington. Uh, I would say that Joe Jacoby and Brian Mitchell are the two skins all time greats who should have gotten into the Pro Football Hall of Fame years ago. B. Mitch is one of the best return men in NFL history. He is number two in NFL history in regular season all purpose yardage. And there are a number of skins all-time greats who are worthy of serious consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Tight end Jerry Smith, receiver Gary Clark, edge defender Dexter Manley, just to name a few. And if ever there becomes a place for coordinators in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, then Richie Pettibone, the greatest defensive coordinator in skins history, uh, is a very worthy candidate for the Hall. Email from Robert Delaney, on 2023 Commanders training camp practices that were open to fans. Uh, The last of those practices was this past Saturday morning, writes Robert. Al, you've pointed out the numerous botched events that the Commanders have performed these past couple of years. I went to the training camp practice this past Saturday. Can you give a shout out to the organization for the fan experience that was provided this year? Uh, Thank you for the email, Robert. Absolutely. Uh, every indication is that the fan experience at these open training camp practices at the team facility at Ashburn, Virginia this year was great. Uh, this topic was hit on quite a bit on Friday's show, episode. 637 uh, via my conversation with Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a good friend of and strategic advisor for uh, the top limited partner in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails. But whether it was commanders, coaches and players interacting with fans or the new bleachers at the team facility for fans or the free ice cream (laughs) that the team gave out to fans uh, off that final open practice this past Saturday morning, the Commanders this summer did a terrific job of making fans feel welcome at these open training camp practices. You know, an NFL team's fans are customers, okay? They are not marks. They are customers. For way too long, fans of our football team have been treated like marks. No, fans of our football team are customers and should be treated a certain way. So props to the Josh Harris group and props to the team president, Jason Wright. I'm assuming that Jason had at least something to do with all of this. And if in fact he did, uh, then he deserves credit. Uh, the improved fan experience at 2023 Commanders Training Camp is a perfect example of the like immediate impact that new ownership can have, uh, just like the immediate impact that BMC Insurance can have on what you are paying home and auto insurance. You know, what's happening in the home and auto insurance markets right now is not good. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC insurance check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Uh, you'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast, and make sure that you mention that Al Goldie sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens of insurance carriers it works with, to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money and Perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, As we all know. The uh, number one goal for an NFL team in a preseason game is to, yes, avoid significant injury. Uh, Hopefully, the Commanders in their 29-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football to end the Ravens' NFL record 24-game preseason winning streak did avoid significant injury. But... We do have at least some concern. Uh, Receiver Terry McLaurin, he had three receptions for 39 yards on three targets, but he in the second quarter suffered an injury to his right big toe. Uh, We early in the third quarter had multiple reports that x-rays were negative. Uh, That was good news. Head coach Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night referred to Terry's injury as, quote, day by day end quote. But that was essentially the extent of the update that uh, Ron gave us on Terry's toe injury. So we'll have to wait and see. Also on Monday night, receiver Diami Brown, he had two receptions for twenty seventy yards and a touchdown on six targets, but he in the third quarter was being evaluated for a concussion. Uh, he in the third quarter on an incompletion took a shot to the right side of his helmet. So we'll have to see with Diami as well. Uh, The commander's starting quarterback on Monday night was Sam Howell. Uh, He, of course, now officially is the commander's QB1 off the formal announcement from Ron Rivera at a pre-practice press conference at commander's training camp this past Friday morning. Uh, Sam, on Monday night, played for the entire first half. He played a lot. Now, it should be noted that the Ravens in this game did not play a number of key players. Sam Howell on Monday night was not facing the Ravens' first-team defense. That has to be understood. That has to be factored into any evaluation of Sam. However, Sam, in a game against a Ravens team playing backups, did as he should have done. Played very well. Sam Howell on Monday night wasn't just, okay. Uh, No, Sam Howell on Monday night played very well. He went 19 of 25 for 188 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He did take two sacks, but he also had three carries for 17 yards. He quarterbacked a commander's offense that in the first half went four of seven on third downs. I really liked what we saw from Sam on Monday night. I really liked what we saw from commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Monday night. Uh, Bieniemy, during Sam Howell's time in the game, did a great job of emphasizing the pass. The commanders in the first half ran 39 offensive plays. 30 of the 39 offensive plays were pass plays. 25 pass attempts, three scrambles, and two sacks. That was great. There was no need (laughs) to see a bunch of runs by running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson on Monday night. The NFL is a passing league. Washington's passing offense has not been good since the 2017 season. Uh, The team's 2023 passing offense is a work in progress. Get it? some work. And Biennemi on Monday night did get the passing offense a lot of work. This is the kind of thing that I have been like begging and pleading for our football team to do in these preseason games for years. We haven't seen anything like this often. We did see this on Monday night. So bravo, Eric Biennemi. Uh, Sam Howell was good on the commander's first offensive drive. Uh, this was a 15-play, 72-yard drive that resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 21-yard field goal. Sam on the drive, 5-of-6 for 53 yards, and he had two carries for 9 yards, and his lone incompletion was a throwaway. Uh, third snap of the drive, on a third-and-three for the commanders at their 32, Sam had a three-yard shotgun play-action completion To Brian Robinson Jr. on the screen. Uh, The fifth snap of the drive was bad for Sam. Second and two for the Commanders at their 43. Sam held onto the ball for too long in dodging pressure on what was just a four-man rush and took a sack by interior defensive lineman Travis Jones for a 13-yard loss. Uh, Sam Very much needed to get rid of the ball. He did not. Uh, But the very next snap, the sixth snap of the drive on a third and 15 for the Commanders at their 30, Sam had a 16-yard shotgun completion to tight end Cole Turner on a bullet of a throw. A terrific response from Sam to the negative play uh, that was the sack on the previous play. Eight snap of the drive, second and six at the 50. Sam, a 13-yard shotgun play action completion to Terry McLaurin, who was wide open over the middle. 10th snap of the drive, 2nd and 1 for the Commanders at the Ravens 28. Sam, a 6-yard shotgun play-action scramble for a 1st down. The 11th snap of the drive, 1st and 10 for the Commanders at the Ravens 22. Sam, a 13-yard under-center play-action completion to Terry McLaurin. The 14th snap of the drive on a 3rd and goal at the 6. Sam, a 3-yard shotgun scramble on which he ran up the A-gap bounced off two Ravens defenders, and stayed on his feet before being tackled. Uh, I did not love Sam taking all of that contact, but I did like the toughness that Sam showed, and I was encouraged by his ability to take contact. Now, uh, I don't want him (laughs) making any kind of a habit out of taking that contact, but the fact that he can do that, you know, he can take the licking and keep on ticking, Uh, There's something to be said for that. You know, he's not fragile. That seems to be the case here. Uh, The commander's second offensive drive uh, resulted in a second quarter punt, but there were two snaps on this drive that I really liked for Sam Howell. Second snap of the drive and the next to last snap of the first quarter on a second and seven for the commanders at their 23. Sam had an 11-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel. And the eighth snap of the drive, third and 14 for the commanders at their 41. Sam used a hard count to draw a five-yard offside penalty by Travis Jones. Uh, the Sam Howell hard count has come up as something that he does well, and we saw that right there. Uh, the commander's third offensive drive, uh, this drive resulted in Sam Howell's late second quarter, third and eight, nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson, who did a very impressive job of muscling his way into the end zone. He only had one yard after the catch, but it was an all-important one yard after the catch because uh, the one yard got him into the end zone. Uh, Gibson fought through at least four Ravens defenders. Very nice job by Gibson on that play. snap of the drive on a fourth and three for the commanders at the Ravens 27. Sam had a 16-yard shotgun completion to receiver Jahan Dodson. Despite the pass being tipped, by Travis Jones. Uh, Jahan was wide open on the play. And then the two minute drive, uh, the commander's fourth offensive drive, a 10 play, 79 yard drive that resulted in Sam Howell's second and 10, 11 yard shotgun touchdown pass diami Brown with 12 seconds left in the second quarter. diami on the touchdown, a good leaping catch while moving forward. Uh, this was the kind of two-minute drive that you like to see. Now, the first half of the drive was the other sack that Sam took on Monday night. First and 10 for the Commanders at their 21. Sam got sacked uh, for a 70-yard loss uh, by edge defender Jeremiah Moon, who came in unblocked. This was a four-man rush by the Ravens. It was hard in the moment to tell was the sack on Sam, was the sack on the offensive line. We'll know. Uh, the sack was on Sam uh, by his own admission. Uh, third snap of the drive on a first and ten for the Commanders at their 27. Sam a 13-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin across the middle, uh, off Terry having lined up in the slot. But this was the play. Uh, on which Terry suffered his uh, right big toe injury. Uh, Then came a whole lot between Sam Howell and Jahan Dodson. The uh, two second-year players had a nice thing going here. Fifth snap of the drive on a first and 15 for the Commanders at their 35. Sam, a 16-yard shotgun completion to Jahan, who was wide open. Eighth snap of the drive, third and 10. For the Commanders at the Ravens, 49, Sam, a 17-yard shotgun completion to Jahan. Ninth snap of the drive and two snaps before the touchdown. First and 10 for the Commanders at the Ravens, 32, Sam, a 21-yard shotgun completion to Jahan on a broken play on which Sam backed into left tackle Cornelius Lucas. Uh, but then Sam made the completion in running to his right. Uh, this was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night on Sam Howell, and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges.
2: I thought Sam did exactly what we were hoping him, um, expecting him to do. Uh, went out, executed, <clears throat> took control, um, took control of, uh, of the offense, took control of the huddle, did a good job at the line of scrimmage. You know, There are a couple things I, I know that he does want to have back, but... I thought he executed and and handled the situation circumstances the way he needed to. Was that a two-minute drill at the end of the half? Was that a good test for him? Absolutely. That was one of the things that we were hoping to get, um, you know, and, and finish it off that way. A lot, of the time, a lot of the time the praise for Sam is his poise and just being very even keel. How think he bring that, particularly now being the starter in such a big game? Well, I, I thought he handled that extremely well. I, I, I did. You know, and there there's a lot of pressure, obviously, and, and we know how important the uh, quarterback position is in the league and, and how important it is, you know, in, in this area. You know, that we've been looking for one, and I think we have an opportunity to have a guy that, that has a chance to, to, to be a really good football player for us. Was there a sequence for him that kind of stood out for you Um, Gosh, I mean, there were a lot of good things that he did, a lot of uh, situations that he handled. You know, uh, a couple of third and longs, he threw the ball really well, made good decisions on that, was able to move around by some time. Um, I thought he, um, you know, I thought he was was really good in the two-minute drill. Um, So there's a lot of things, a lot of positives, a lot of pluses.
1: Yes, there are. Uh, I think about Sam Howell. He has had a solid training camp in which he rose to the occasion of the uh, two joint practices with the Ravens, and he now has had two very nice preseason games. Who the heck knows what's going to happen in the regular season, but I don't know how you don't feel better about Sam off these last three and a half weeks. Like, whatever you have thought about him, how do you not feel better now as compared to three and a half weeks ago? He, over these last three and a half weeks, has shown improvement and has done a good job. And maybe all of that ends up meaning nothing, okay? But for now, I don't know how you can be discouraged by what we're seeing from Sam Howell. Ron Rivera, during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night, on if Sam Howell doing well on the stage that is Monday night football, albeit preseason <laughs> Monday night football, does anything for Sam's confidence.
2: Oh, I believe so. You know, and let's don't forget what what he did last year. You know, I, I thought how he handled the stage last year against Dallas was one of the reasons. You know, we we feel confident in who he is. Um, you know, and then we saw him perform today. We saw him perform last week. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons to, to be optimistic. But again, we still got a long way to go. We got a lot of things to learn and grow and develop. I think Eric and what the offensive staff is, is doing on that side of the ball has been really terrific. It's exciting. It really is. Um, and I think it's infectious because I, I do think it impacts our uh, our defensive players as well.
1: More on the Commander's defense next segment. Uh, here was Sam Howell uh, during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night.
3: I think the main thing was just a lot of fun. Um, and it was a good team win. You know, I think we're we're really starting to become a team. Um, and there's there a lot of good things out there tonight. It was a lot of fun to be a part of. It. I just think offensively, I think we... We did some good things, put some good drives together. Obviously there's some stuff to clean up, um, some sacks, both I think I don't know how many sacks we had, maybe two, I think and they were both my fault. So I gotta gotta do a better job with that stuff. Uh, we'll clean it up, but we made some plays, you know, a lot of guys made some plays and we got a good work out of two minute drill, um, which was successful for us. There's a lot of good that came out of tonight. I'm gonna cover on
2: the sacks. I mean first one was just a did you see someone you something or what, what happened there?
3: Yeah, it was just early in the game. I just need I just, I just to relax. Um, and I was kind of just trying to make a play and trying to do too much. Um, but especially in that position early in the game, just be smart. Um, get the ball out of my hands and don't, t- don't take a big loss like that.
1: Sam Howell taking responsibility for the two sacks that he took. Uh, We already have uh, heard that a good bit from Sam, him uh, being willing to step up and, you know, own these sacks that he takes that are, in fact, on him. Now, you know, you don't want to continue to see him taking sacks and uh, being the person responsible uh, for the taking of sacks, but... I think it does show a good level of leadership, a good level of maturity, a good level of accountability, a good level of self awareness that he's willing to do that. You know, he's not defensive, he's not overly sensitive. He is willing to say, Yeah, those sacks are on me. I do need to be better. Uh, As for the Commanders, other two quarterbacks in this win over the Ravens on Monday night, uh, Jacoby Brissett was the Commanders quarterback for most of the second half. He went 7 of 11 for 47 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. He took no sacks. He had one carry for four yards. He was so-so. I do like the mobility uh, that we have seen from Jacoby over the team's first two preseason games. He can move a little more than uh, people may have thought. Uh, Jake Fromm, uh, he was the commander's quarterback for the team's final three offensive drives, although uh, one of those drives was a uh, one-snap drive that consisted of a game-ending kneel down. But the other drives were 4th quarter scoring drives a fourth quarter nine play 59-yard drive uh, that resulted in from second and nine 15-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Jared Patterson and a fourth quarter 14-play 60-yard drive that resulted in Joey Sly's 49-yard field goal with 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter for a 29-28 Commanders lead. Uh, Fromm in the game, 10 of 16 for 91 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He took one sack. I would think that uh, the Commanders' third and final preseason game, which is in just a few days, uh, home to the Cincinnati Bengals, this Saturday evening at 6.05, will be the Jake Fromm show. As the Commanders now are... As New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick said many years ago, on (laughs) to Cincinnati.
3: We're on to Cincinnati.
1: Yes, that's right, Bill. On to Cincinnati. We are on to Cincinnati. Uh, But I would think that we can plan on Saturday evening being the uh, Jake Fromm show. Well, if you have a big event that you are planning uh, and you want that event to go well, know that Catering by Uptown can handle your needs. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown, it is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations, and Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Uh, Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Goldie sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings For the event wait staff, uh, no experience is necessary, and you get paid in-house training. This is a great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit CateringByUptown.com. That's CateringByUptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdy sent you. Well, more now from the Commanders improving to 2-0 in the 2023 preseason with a 29-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football to end the Ravens NFL record 24 game preseason winning streak. Uh, The Ravens in the game did not play a number of significant players. The Commanders in the game did not play a number of key defensive players. Uh, Those players were Interior defensive linemen, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Fidarian Mathis. Edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Corners, Benjamin St. Juice, Kendall Fuller, and Danny Johnson. And safeties, Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. All of those guys did not play on Monday night. Uh, Some did not play due to injury. Others did not play due to just not playing, but the Commanders on Monday night did not play the majority of their defensive starters, and I was totally fine with that. Uh, The Commanders defense is a set entity. Uh, Year four, with Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator, a number of returning players. How good the Commanders defense will be in the 2023 regular season does not hinge on playing in the 2023 preseason. Here was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night. On Why? He didn't play so many key defensive players and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange about why Ron did play the team's top two linebackers, Jamin Davis and Cody Barton.
2: Well, a couple things, but you know we decided uh, we, you know, we feel really good about where we are. Uh, we got some guys that we wanted to be careful with, and uh, that was the biggest decision on the defensive side just because of the familiarity they have with what they're doing and uh, we just thought we'd, we'd do that.. And then, like, uh, yeah. Um, because they're, both of them are new to what we're doing. Uh, they're new to each other, and they got to get a little bit more work together. And Jack felt this would be a really good opportunity for them to, to work together and talk and communicate. Um, I think that was probably one of the biggest things, and, and having those two out there working together uh, was really the intention there more than anything else.
1: Well, the Ravens on Monday night did not play either of their top two quarterbacks. Uh, No Lamar Jackson, no Tyler Huntley, although Huntley was dealing with a hamstring injury. The Ravens' starting quarterback in the game was Josh Johnson, who, of course, played for the Redskins in the 2018 season. Now, the commanders in this game did give some stuff up. Uh, the Ravens for the game averaged 6.82 yards per play. The Ravens' first offensive drive was a bad one for the commanders' first two picks in the 2023 NFL Draft, Uh, this was the opening drive of the game, was a six-play, 75-yard drive that resulted in Josh Johnson's first-quarter, first-and-ten, 26-yard under-center play-action touchdown pass to receiver Zay Flowers, who made the Commander's 2023 second-round pick. Defensive back Quan Martin missed rather badly on an attempted tackle as Flowers generated 23 yards after the catch. Well, the third snap of that drive, uh, the Commanders' 2023 first round pick, corner Emmanuel Forbes, uh, had a missed tackle on Zay Flowers on a second and 10, 11 yard reception. Uh, however, both Forbes and Martin made plays later in the game. The Ravens' second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The third snap of that drive, third and one for the Ravens at their 34. Emmanuel Forbes, a great solo tackle on running back Melvin Gordon on a shotgun toss run for no gain. So much for the lack of mass for Manny Forbes being a concern. Very nice play right there. And the Ravens' third offensive drive, uh, this drive happened in the second quarter, the 10th snap of that drive. On a second and three for the Ravens at the Commanders 21, Quan Martin made an end zone interception. Uh, this came on a shotgun pass by Josh Johnson, intended for receiver James Prochet the and, As Quan snatched the ball off it, having gone off Proche, and then Quan generated a 59 yard return. Now, Quan on the play did get beat by Proche, but the pass by Johnson was underthrown uh, due to a quarterback hit by defensive lineman Benning Poto'ai. So the commander's defense was getting contributions from all kinds of people uh, on Monday night. Uh, Something else with the commander's secondary on Monday night, the Ravens. Fourth offensive drive, a rough drive for corner Rashad Wild Goose, who is a talented guy who in theory, hopefully anyway, uh, will be providing some nice depth for the Commanders at corner this coming season. But on this drive, which happened late in the second quarter, second snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Ravens at the Commanders 42, Wild Goose committed a 35-yard defensive pass interference penalty in covering receiver Tyland Wallace. And then on the very next snap, the third snap of the drive, Wild Goose got beat by Wallace on Josh Johnson's first and goal 70-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Wallace on a back shoulder fade. Rashad Wild Goose did not have a very good game uh, on Monday night. Edge defender Andre Jones Jr., however, uh, he on Monday night made another impact play. Uh, The Commanders took Jones in the seventh round of the 2023 NFL Draft out of Louisiana. His stock has been soaring, and Jones on the second snap, of the fourth quarter on a first and goal at the three, teamed with edge defender K.J. Henry to tackle running back Owen Wright for a five-yard loss on a shotgun handoff run. Uh, All Andre Jones has been doing, seemingly, is make plays. Uh, Speaking, though, of runs by running backs, Chris Rodriguez Jr., who the Commanders took out of Kentucky in the sixth round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, He, on Monday night, was the Commanders' leading rusher, uh, five carries, for 31 yards. He overall looked good, uh, as he did in the team's preseason opening win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. But Rodriguez in this win over the Ravens did have a lost fumble. Uh, Rodriguez had a lost fumble late in the third quarter. He on a first and ten for the Commanders at their 29 had a lost fumble on a five-yard I formation handoff run up the middle. Uh, The ball came out of Rodriguez being swarmed by multiple Ravens defenders in generating yardage after contact. Chris Rodriguez Jr. is a physical between the tackles runner. That physicality, of course, can be great, right? Can punish defenses, but That physicality also can result in a bunch of contact that can cause a fumble, and that's what we had on that play. Uh, As for the commander's offensive line, left tackle Charles Leno Jr. did not play on Monday night. Uh, The commander's starting offensive line was Cornelius Lucas at left tackle, Sadiq Charles at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Samuel Cosme at right guard, Andrew Wiley at right tackle. The first team offensive line largely did play well, but again the Ravens in this game, did that play a number of key players? Here was Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night on the performance of the first-team offensive line.
2: I thought they were solid. They were stout. Um, you know, it's interesting, I was talking to Sam and we were talking about, you know, how things went. And first thing he told me, he said, those two sacks were on me, Coach. He, he said, i, I got to make a quicker decision. i got to get rid of the ball better. So, you know, he, he understands just, you know, what needs to be done. But I thought the offensive line handled it pretty well. Um, I think, you know, they're still growing. They're still working together. And I think they're going to get better.
1: The Commanders on Monday night had five accepted penalties for 58 yards. Some of those penalties were on the offensive line. The Commander's second offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt. The fifth snap of that drive, the second snap of the second quarter, we had two penalties by The offensive line, although only uh, one of the penalties was accepted, Sadiq Charles had a 10-yard holding penalty that was accepted, and Nick Gates had an ineligible downfield pass penalty uh, that was declined. Also with Gates on Monday night was him and Ravens corner, Corey Mayfield Jr. getting into it. Uh, They had offsetting unnecessary roughness penalties on quarterback Sam Howell's late second quarter, third and eight, nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson as... (laughs) Gates, late in the play, came diving in and decked Mayfield. Gates is a maniac, man. Uh, We have seen that in some of these training camp practices, and uh, we saw that in that instance on Monday night. Commander special teams on Monday night. Joey Sly, jacked up Joey, uh, of having won the Commander's Kicker competition with Michael Badgley. A great night. On Monday night, Sly went 3-3 three three on field goals and 2-2 two two on extra points. Sly connected on a 21-yard field goal in the first quarter. Sly connected on a 49-yard field goal in the third quarter, despite a terrible snap by long snapper Cameron Cheeseman, whose snap resulted in the football rolling on the grass <laughs> toward punter slash holder Tressway, uh, Cameron Cheeseman, the Cheeseman. Uh, he has been working on a new snapping technique. The results in training camp have been very mixed. And uh, what happened on this play on Monday night was awful, Uh, but Joey Sly, to his credit, did make the kick. Also, credit Tress Way for getting down a proper hold. Uh, But the uh, operation, as Ron Rivera would call it, uh, not ideal uh, on that field goal. Uh, And then Sly connected on a 49-yard field goal with 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter for a 29-28 Commanders lead. A clutch kick or at least as clutch as a kick can be in the NFL preseason, from Joey Sly, Rod Rivera during his post game press conference late night on Monday night on Joey Sly.
2: Well, you know Joey's had a really good camp this year. He really has. He had a tremendous camp, and and, and it kind of you know expedited the, the decision as far as you know letting letting Mike go. You know he, he did a great job for us, but Joey was having such a good camp and is building such good confidence out there. You know this is this is a big deal for us.
1: Uh, also with commander special teams on Monday night, receiver slash running back Casimir Allen, uh, the undrafted rookie out of UCLA. He was the commander's primary return man. For a second time in as many games uh, for the team in this 2023 preseason. So Allen is very much looking like the guy who the team at least wants as its primary return man for the 2023 regular season. Uh, Allen on Monday night had one punt return. It was a good one, a fourth quarter 20-yard punt return. And Allen on Monday night had one kickoff return, uh, which was a late second quarter 23-yard kickoff return. And how about the commander's punter for this game? Uh, Tressway was not the team's punter for this game. He's been dealing with lower back tightness, seems to be doing better, but the commanders did not want to risk him aggravating the back in this game. And so the team on Sunday morning announced the signing of unrestricted free agent punter Michael Pilardi. He is a veteran NFL punter. Uh, Pilardi on Monday night, two punts, a second quarter 53-yard punt, that was downed at the Ravens 2 and an early third quarter 51-yard punt that was downed at the Ravens 15. Nice job, Michael Pilardi. Uh, Hey, being a fan of Washington, D.C. area teams is uh, stressful enough. Buying tickets to games for our teams should not be stressful. And when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the game time Yes, the Game Time app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Uh, the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110%. Of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's games this coming season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what you do. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code AlGaldi for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's Game Time. <laughs> download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So as best as we can tell, the Nationals remain for sale. Uh it was on April 11th 2022 that we learned that the learners had begun exploring selling some or all of the Nats. uh well here we are now deep into August 2023 and the Lerner family still owns the Nats. Uh, every indication is that the Masson dispute has played a big-time role in holding up the sale of the Nats, although the Lerner's penchant for, uh, shall we say, driving a hard bargain uh, also would seem to be in play. Monumental Sports and Entertainment founder and CEO Ted Leonsis, he reportedly wants to buy the Nats. Uh, the Washington Post this past April 19th reported that, quote, Ted Leonsis offered more than $2 billion to buy the the Washington Nationals from the Lerner family late last year, end quote. And yet a sale of the team has not happened. And if you're wondering about how appropriate an offer of more than $2 billion for the Nance is, uh, well, Forbes in each of the last two marches, March 2022 and March 2023, valued the Nance as being worth. $2 billion. But this ownership uncertainty with the Nats has made for an odd last 16 months. The team has been rebuilding with extreme uncertainty. Uh, Part of that uncertainty has been the statuses of President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo and Manager Davey Martinez. Each guy is, or at least had been, in a contract season this season. Uh, The Nats On July 2nd, 2022, announced that they had exercised the 2023 contract options on Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez. We did not know where we were headed with these guys beyond this season, but now we essentially do know. uh, Monday afternoon, multiple reports that the Nats and Davey Martinez have agreed on a two-year contract extension that includes a third-year option, and that the Nats and Mike Rizzo were close to finalizing a contract extension of similar length. So while there may still be uh, ownership uncertainty with the Nats, the baseball operations uncertainty is being put to rest, at least for the most part. Uh, the Nats hired Mike Rizzo in July 2006, promoted him to interim general manager in March 2009, and removed that interim tag From his GM title in August 2009. Mike Rizzo has been running Nats baseball operations for more than 14 years. Uh, The Nats hired Davey Martinez as their manager in October 2017. This season is his sixth season as Nats manager. He is by far the longest tenured manager for the franchise since it moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004 2005 offseason. But, you know, you think about this Nats rebuild, this is such an odd rebuild. Because basically, nobody has gotten fired. (laughs) The general manager and manager who were part of the team falling off a cliff in the 2020 and 2021 seasons are the GM and manager who are running the rebuild and now are said to be the GM and manager who will be leading the team out. Of the rebuild, this is so rare in Major League Baseball and in pro sports in general. How often do the GM and manager/slash head coach who were part of the collapse of a team get to lead the team's rebuild that follows that collapse, and then get to uh, bear the fruit of the rebuild? And yet, that's what we have here with the Nats, with Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez, and we have that uh, due to a variety of unique circumstances. A the Nats having just won the World Series in 2019, B, that aforementioned ownership uncertainty, and C, that this Nats rebuild may be coming to fruition as soon as next season. Uh, The Nats are 19-10 over their last 29 games. The Nats have exceeded by two wins the team's win total, For all of the 2022 regular season and still have 37 games left in this 2023 regular season, the Nats per MLB pipeline have the number eight farm system in baseball and have two of the top seven prospects in baseball and outfielder Dylan Cruz, who is the number four prospect in baseball and outfielder James Wood, who is the number seven prospect in baseball. The Nats rebuild is working. Now, there still is a lot to be determined, including whether the things that got the Nats in this position to have to rebuild in the first place, bad drafting and bad player development have been fixed. But if you're a Nats fan, I don't know how you right now don't feel a lot better about the team as compared to just a few months ago. And now it looks like Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez will be sticking around. So we on Monday had what for most Nationals fans would be deemed exciting news. And we on Monday had what for most Orioles fans (laughs) was something that was uh, off-putting. MLB insider Tyler Kepner of the New York Times on Monday came out with a piece on Orioles chairman and CEO John Angelos. Uh, Angelos in the piece said a few things that if you are an O's fan, you absolutely need to be aware of. Uh, First of all, Angelos gave a laughable response to the Kevin Brown fiasco. Uh, It was on August 7th that we had multiple reports that Orioles play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown had essentially been suspended by the O's, although the team pushed back on him having been suspended. But he certainly was sidelined. Uh, Why? Uh, Because Brown on July 23rd on Masson made pregame comments about how poorly the O's had done in games at the Tampa Bay Rays in recent seasons prior to the 2023 season. The comments were fact-based. The comments were really benign. But the comments reportedly angered John Angelos, who also is the president and chief operating officer of Masson. Uh, Kevin Brown ended up not doing any Orioles games on television or radio from July 28th through August 10th. Uh, this Kevin Brown situation ended up getting a ton of attention. Broadcasters across MLB ripped Angelos and the O's. Well, uh, John Angelos, in this New York Times piece, said that Kevin Brown should not have been temporarily taken off Orioles broadcast. Quote, Nothing like that is going to happen again. It shouldn't have happened once. End quote. Angelos also said that the team was reviewing the process that resulted in Brown being taken off the air. (laughs) Uh, Wait a second, John. Wait a second, Johnny boy. Uh, You are the team. And you are the network. You own and run both the Orioles and Masson. Reviewing the process that resulted in Brown being taken off the air, you were that process. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Yeah, and know this about the Kevin Brown fiasco. It was part of a larger pattern with John Angelos, a longtime Orioles insider Dan Connolly in a piece for Sports Not Dot com that came out on august 8th just hammered Jot angelos uh, dan wrote the following quote angelos directly and through a few members of his senior leadership team have stressed to employees that negatives and even some positives about this franchise in the past decade or so should be eliminated from on-air discussion just act as if the recent past didn't exist seriously want examples For several years, Orioles broadcasters at times were told not to mention names of former club greats who had left the team. They were not allowed to discuss Manny Machado, Buckshow Walter, Brady Anderson, or Adam Jones, among others. The point was to keep focus on the present club. According to multiple sources, ownership was so adamant about that policy that in 2020, and broadcasters were told not to mention how the team acquired starting pitchers Dean Kramer and Bruce Zimmerman since they were returns in the 2018 fire sale that signaled the Orioles' full rebuild. Masson didn't want to call additional attention to the fact they had traded Machado to the Los Angeles Dodgers and Kevin Gaussman and others to the Atlanta Braves. Just have the fans think that they parachuted down to the Camden Yards mound, end quote. Uh, how about all of that? John Angelos, at least according to what Dan Connolly wrote, wants state-run television, okay? This is like a North Korea situation. Uh, also, in this New York Times piece, was John Angelos whining, about paying the Orioles' young stars beyond their seasons of team control. The O's, of course, have this great nucleus of young stars, like catcher Adley Rutschman and infielder Gunnar Henderson and starting pitcher Kyle Bradish, and on and on I could go. I mean, the number one prospect in baseball per MLB Pipeline is Orioles shortstop slash second baseman Jackson Holliday. Well, John Angelos in this New York Times piece poured a bucket of cold water <laughs> on everything. I mean, here we have the O's for the 2023 regular season and American League best 77 and 47 with this super exciting nucleus of young players. But said Angelos, quote, the hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Everything, end quote. Uh, Tyler Kepner in the piece then wrote of Angelos, quote, and he conceded, that it might not be feasible for his popular young core to be career Orioles like Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, and Cal Ripken Jr., end quote. And then came this from Angelos regarding the means by which the O's could re-sign their young star players, quote, we're going to have to raise the prices here dramatically and quote. (laughs) Yeah, John Angelo said that. We're going to have to raise the prices here dramatically. What a buzzkill, okay? What a killjoy, even if he does have to raise prices, okay? I'm not against capitalism. I'm not against John Angelo's uh, trying to make a buck, although he already has a few bucks. But geez, you have to put that out there like that. I mean, again, the team is 30 games above 500, the team has the best record in the American League. Can we just enjoy that for now instead of having to be hit hard with, well, I don't know if I can re-sign these guys long-term. Well, you know, I'm going to have to jack up ticket prices. Like, give me a break, man. (laughs) The discrepancy right now between... How the O's fan feels about the team's baseball operations and how the O's fan feels about the team's ownership is a uh, Grand Canyon size gap. There is so much reason for optimism and good feeling with Orioles baseball operations. The team and executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias is being led by someone who is smart and forward-thinking and who in his time with the O's has done so many good things. The O's right now have the best record in the American League for the 2023 regular season and have the number one farm system in baseball per MLB pipeline. Think about that. But the team's ownership remains a problem, a big problem. You know, the team still does not have a lease for Oriole Park at Camden Yards beyond this season. The Orioles' current lease for Oriole Park is at Camden Yards expires at the end of this year. John Angelos in February told reporters that he hoped to have a new lease done by the All-Star break. Uh, Well, that has come and gone. Uh, Now, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred on the day of the 2023 MLB All-Star game did tell reporters that he had, quote, every confidence, end quote, in a resolution on the lease issue. And Manfred said that the O's will, quote, stay in Baltimore End quote. Uh, John's dad, Peter Angelos, has been in failing health for years. His health began to severely decline in 2017. There is a belief that the Angelos family will sell the Orioles when Peter passes away. Uh, This has been said on this podcast by Tom Lavero, a columnist for the Washington Times and a man who at one time had a very good relationship with Peter Angelos. Yes, Tom back in the day had a very good relationship. With Peter Angelos. Uh, also, this notion of the Angelos family selling the O's uh, has been backed up on this podcast by sports business expert Marty Conway, uh, who used to work for the O's. Uh, who knows where the uh, Orioles' ownership situation is headed But geez, man, (laughs) John Angelos to the New York Times, the completely non-believable comments on the Kevin Brown fiasco and the buzzkill comments on the Orioles Young Stars. Dude, just stop. and that will do it for you and me for now get the feedback coming you can tweet me at AlGaldi. you can email me the AlGaldi podcast at yahoo.com Wednesday show episode 640 will include a lot for you on the Commanders also talk Nationals and Orioles at that's on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game one of a three game series at the New York Yankees the O's on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game one of a three game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards have a great rest of your Tuesday and i will talk to you on Wednesday.
3: We're on to Cincinnati.